0: When the howls of the evening find you, and the skeletons in your closet begin to shift and change, you'll know it's time for the Pike Horror Show. Hello, my name is Richard, and welcome to the Pike Horror Show, the only podcast that is recorded in a haunted house. The haunted house in Disney World, and my co-host is Goofy. Not the cartoon Goofy, the mascot Goofy, so he doesn't, uh, doesn't say anything. Anyway, this week's episode's gonna be a little bit different. Instead of hyper-fixating on a movie or a book or some aspect of horror, I'm gonna be talking kind of generally and loosely about H.P. Lovecraft. So I'm not really gonna be breaking anything down, I just put together a list of my favorite H.P. Lovecraft stories, and I just kind of wanted to recommend them. This is more of a recommendation episode than a deep-dive, tear-this-apart episode. And before I went too much further, I just wanted to talk about the elephant in the room. H.P. Lovecraft is kind of a problematic guy. Certainly by today's standards, but also in his own time. From the stories I'm talking about, they range from 1921 to 1936, so the oldest being over 100 years old. But that doesn't make him not a racist dickhole. Although the 10 stories that I selected are more about scary monsters and less about race relations, still fuck that guy. Not to mention, he's dead, so he's not getting any of my money. Also, since a lot of these stories are so old, they can be a little tough to read. I love to read physical books, but when it comes to older stuff like that, I do tend to steer towards the audiobook path. Personally, I use the service Scribed for my audiobooks. This isn't an ad or anything, I just think it's great. It makes a lot of stuff more accessible, I'm reading more, it's helping me find stuff I wouldn't have found otherwise. This is a horror podcast, so I'm not going to go too in-depth about it, but my friend Sarah Ray, over at the podcast Well Read for the Love of Books, did a whole episode about Scribed, and she talks about some of its features and some of the things about it, so if that sounds interesting to you, the link to that episode is going to be in the description of this episode. Anyway, what I was saying about H.P. Lovecraft is my favorite way to take in his writing is through audiobooks. I prefer that for a couple reasons. One, it makes that older 100-year-old language a little bit easier to comprehend if someone's reading it to you. And a lot of H.P. Lovecraft's writing is done in first person. A lot of his stories are set up as being excerpts from somebody's personal journal or from letters that they sent to someone else. And then if someone's reading it to you as well, it's like hearing the story firsthand. And it might sound like I'm just kind of describing a first person novel or something like that. But a novel written in first person just isn't the same as reading a quote-unquote letter that describes an event. There are little flares of personality that would come if you were writing to a loved one or if you are writing in your journal. And in my experience, a lot of the time first-person books can come off feeling a little mechanical. Like, sure, they're telling you a story in first-person, but it's still formatted and feels like a book and might not have the range a common letter would. Or a police report, or a coroner's report, or a diary, etc, etc, etc. That's probably why the book Fiend stood out to me so much, just because it's first-person, but it's so unconventional. Anyway, I put together a list of 10 of my favorite H.P. Lovecraft stories, and I'm just going to talk about them briefly. For context, I could probably fill a whole episode with just one or two, but I'm going to try and talk about 10 in one episode. I'm not going to be breaking down every scene or every chapter or every detail of every single story. I'm just going to be touching on them. It's a way for me to talk about stories that I like, and hopefully it serves as an introduction for someone who wants to get into H.P. Lovecraft but doesn't know where to start. The man's got a lot of books and short stories and novellas and and poems. There's a lot of stuff out there. Not to mention some of them are connected or related or under the Cthulhu Mythos umbrella. You may recognize some themes and trends in the stories I'm talking about, but none of them are connected. You don't need to read them in any particular order. Also, the numbers are more of an organizational thing, so there's a little wiggle room towards the middle. But if I didn't list one you like, or if I listed one that you hate, like whatever you want, hate whatever you want, do, do what you gotta do. These are just the ones I like. So starting off, number 10 is The Beast in the Cave. This is the story that really sealed the deal for audiobooks for me, because I do have a physical copy of a lot of H.P. Lovecraft's work, but I had never really read it. I actually just thought the book looked cool. So I read a physical version of the story, but I don't really take anything away from it. It was kind of a wall of text, I kept getting distracted, my eyes were going different directions because they refused to read. And I walked away from the experience being like, oh, that was cool, I guess, whatever, I don't see the hype. But when I listened to the audiobook version of it, I got all of the ambiance and storytelling, and it was a great experience. Anyway, just to kind of touch on the plot, it's about a man who's on a tour of a cave system, but he wanders off and gets lost. He's definitely unnerved by this right away, but then his lights go out. So it's him being alone in total darkness in a labyrinth of caves. Then, as he slowly makes his way through the cave, he feels like there's something in the dark with him. Big Spooky? Would not want to do. For number nine, I picked The Rats in the Walls. This was one of the first H.P. Lovecraft audiobooks I listened to, and it really clicked for me. This is where I really started to understand what was going on. A lot of the times when people think of H.P. Lovecraft, they think of giant tentacle monsters... Or Cthulhu, or something like that. There are these elements of dynasty and super old structures and lost cities. And sure, sometimes big tentacle monsters live in those lost cities. But in this case, I prefer learning more about the the history than the ghouls. Which is kind of a lot coming from me, because I do love a big monster. Anyway, The Rats in the Walls is what I would call kind of a, a classic horror setup. A guy inherited a mansion, so his family is all gone and the house is kind of mysterious and there's things going on that he doesn't quite understand. Events that he can't replicate and things that no one else can really vouch for. So the tension keeps building and building and finally gets to the climax at the ending that I can't talk about because that would just straight up spoil it. And although it's only number nine on the list, the ending is one of my favorite Lovecraft moments ever. And now that I look at my list, I'm starting to think maybe it should have been higher, but hey, we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants here. And, I just wanted to make a quick disclaimer, there is a cat in this book that when I read it, his name was Black Tom. Um, but originally it was something very racist that was changed in 1950. So if you really want to read the story, but you only have the 1924 publication of it, I wouldn't recommend it. Also, that's kind of a weird limitation, because you clearly have the internet. Number 8 is a short story called Cool Air. It's relatively short, I don't have the page count in front of me, but I know the audiobook was only like 20 minutes. And I think that's part of its charm, the whole story is so well-contained. It's a letter someone's writing talking about why they're uncomfortable in cool air. Like, the first line is, You ask me to explain why I am afraid of a drought of cool air, why I shiver more than others upon entering a cold room and seem nauseated and repelled when the chill of evening creeps through the heat of a mild autumn day. Which is a very funny premise to me. It's funny to write a letter to someone and say, Hey, you remember when he asked me that question? Here's the answer. Like I said, the story's very short, so I don't have a lot to talk about, but it's basically just a guy getting to know his neighbor, and his neighbor's a weird guy. He's kind of eccentric, and he keeps his house cold. That's really the- oh, that's all the setup you need. And at number seven is The Strange High House in the Mist. The Strange High House explores another reoccurring theme in H.P. Lovecraft's stories where a stranger goes somewhere, uh, the locals tell him about something, and then the stranger goes, fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyway. As you can kind of gather from the title, it's about a strange high house that's surrounded by mist. A philosopher comes to town, hears about the house, and wants to make the journey. The man basically has to climb an entire mountain just to be like, what's going on over here? The story itself isn't really horror, it's not particularly scary, but it has sort of a mystical cosmic mystery element that H.P. Lovecraft likes to do. Also, I really like the simplicity of the setup. A guy wants to get to a house that they say can't be reached, and then he gets there. Spoilers. I can't really say much more about it because, of course, getting to the house is kind of the climax, but I think it's cool. For number six, I chose The Shadow over Innsmouth. Although it ended up kind of in the middle of the list, I think it's a very important read if you're interested in H.P. Lovecraft. Like, sure, it's fun to talk about sunken cities and elder gods and Cthulhu monsters, but The Shadow over Innsmouth talks about the people who live in this world. It's about a college kid who goes to the town of Innsmouth for no other reason than it's cheaper to go there. And once he's there, the people look different and behave differently. They have different religions. And while it does have familiar H.P. Lovecraft themes, it takes them and applies them to a group of people. It's interesting to describe monsters and, and how they are, but these are the people who are affected by it. So they have their own gods and traditions and legacies. And everything is completely new to the narrator, so you as the reader are experiencing it in real time with the protagonist. And if that wasn't enough to sell you, Innsmouth is a town populated by fish people, so... Number five, I put The Temple. The Temple is another pretty short one. Essentially, it's about a World War II submarine that sinks to the bottom of the ocean. The entirety of the story is told through diary entries that the captain's writing while everything's going down. Pun absolutely intended. The story is so short that kind of like Cool Air, I can't talk too much about it without just giving you the whole story. I just think even the setting is terrifying, and then you notice that the diary entries started very, like, informative, but slowly go on to, I can't believe what I'm seeing, I think I'm going insane. It's cool, it's short, it's very on-brand, but it's also something different. And at number four, we have the Dunwich Horror. The Dunwich Horror is one of those stories where if you like Lovecraft, you've probably read it, and if you are interested in Lovecraft, you've probably heard about it. It's one of his most popular stories, and for a good reason. It's not my favorite Lovecraft story, but I think it might be the most quintessential Lovecraft story. The story is firmly planted in the Cthulhu mythos. The story is directly related to the Necronomicon, which is a book that appears in other H.P. Lovecraft works. It features monsters, transformations, and it even mentions other H.P. Lovecraft creatures and locations by name. Just to kind of breeze over the story itself, it takes place in the town of Dunwich, where a family has a child and the child reaches adulthood in less than 10 years. Then of course other unexplainable things happen and it just sort of builds and builds and builds and I'm not going to give it away. If you did decide to get into Lovecraft and decided to start right here, I think you'd be doing yourself a favor. Not only is it related to a bunch of other stories, but it also has all the elements people consider Lovecraftian. And even if it ends up not being your favorite Lovecraft story, it really helps you understand that there is a colossal world within these stories. There's so much to learn and understand and experience, and I think the Dunwich Horror is a great first step. For number three, I have The Nameless City, and it's relatively short and I don't have a ton to say about it, but it's definitely one of my favorite Lovecraft stories. The premise is actually very simple. Someone is looking for a lost city, they find it, and then the story follows them through the city. It talks about the murals it sees and the hieroglyphics and how certain passages aren't designed for humans, so it's kind of awkward to get through them. And again, it touches on that theme of there's so much to understand, there's so much I don't know, and the story itself doesn't provide any context. And you, the reader, can go on wikipedia.com, look up all the connections, all the other H.P. Lovecraft books that connect, but the narrator in the moment doesn't have that luxury. They're just some guy in a big tomb or a temple or whatever. Not to mention it is so incredibly detailed, every surface and and texture and sensation is, is written out for the reader. But it doesn't feel slow or dense, it's overwhelming in a very sympathetic way. The narrator is just doing a stream of consciousness of everything they're experiencing, and you're just along for the ride. Next, for number two, we have The Color Out of Space. Although now it's a movie starring my mom's celebrity crush, Nicolas Cage, it used to be a H.P. Lovecraft short story. Again, I'm not trying to spoil any of these, so I'll just do kind of a quick rundown. A very, very brief rundown is a meteorite falls onto some farmland, and it starts affecting the land and the people who live there. That might not sound hugely interesting, but, um... It is, so. The Color Out of Space has a lot of Lovecraftian elements that I really enjoy. Like, the narrator is someone who's listening to someone tell the story of the family that got hit by the meteor. The narrator wasn't affected by the meteor, they didn't know the family that was affected by the meteor, they're just talking to a guy who lived in the town at the time of the meteor. So it's like a hand-me-down, hand-me-down story. Not to mention it talks about slipping into madness and sort of the physical transformations that come along with that. And the title, The Color Out of Space, directly references a color that the meteorite gives off. It's a color that no one has ever seen before, and they can't really describe it. It's literally the color out of space because it's not a color that you find here on Earth. Something I really love about Lovecraft is how he talks about things being incomprehensible. Places and things beyond time and space, colors you can't explain, beings that are incomprehensible. And because a lot of his stories are told by a person recounting an event, when they get to that part, they're just saying, I have no idea what I saw. I I can't describe it. There are even lines that say something like, "If, if I described it here, I would go mad. And I mean, maybe he was just being lazy and didn't want to describe anything. But what it ended up doing was forcing the reader to try and comprehend something incomprehensible. You don't have any clues or any context of what you're looking at or what you're supposed to be seeing, but your mind can't help trying to fill that in, try to put a placeholder, even though you can't understand it. And I just think that's interesting because with no influence, every person reading it is kind of getting a different experience. Some people might imagine the inimaginable color as blue or a shade of pink or something. Or design a monster in their head just to fill in the gaps of where an incomprehensible monster lives. And the cool thing is, there isn't really a wrong answer. What you imagine might be different than what your friend imagines, or what everyone else imagines, but that's part of the fun. At number one, I put At the Mountains of Madness. Basically, At the Mountains of Madness is just the thing with all of my favorite Lovecraftian elements. And The Thing is pretty much my favorite horror movie. Just to talk briefly about the story, it's about an expedition team in Antarctica. But while they're down there, they find a giant mountain range, ancient ruins, and signs of life that no one has ever seen before. Now, I know that wasn't very descriptive, but trust me, that's for the best. If you do end up reading it, it's a lot more fun if you have no idea what's coming. And personally, I have a soft spot for horror that's set in the Arctic. Or the Antarctic. Or whatever, I don't care. The Thing, who goes there, frozen hell, Dead Space 3, kinda... Frozen Tundra is just so unwelcoming and so isolating. I imagine it's hard to feel safe anywhere if just going outside could be deadly. Even just surviving down there at all is down to a science, so one slip-up could be fatal. Just the idea of it is kind of overwhelming and, and suffocating. Or maybe I just think that because I'm from Minnesota and I hate the snow. I think I said this for every story on the list, but I really like the framing device that At the Mountains of Madness has. The whole story is a researcher recounting their expedition in an attempt to stop another expedition. This is all kind of explained in the first couple of paragraphs, but essentially the university is trying to send a team there. He's saying, don't go there, this is what we found. And the whole story is peppered with these lines like, hey, I know you're not going to believe me, but this is what happened. Or, hey, this is what I think happened. And even going as far as to say, I have no idea what happened, I couldn't comprehend it. So the narrator's like, look, I know you're not going to believe me, I know I'm insane, but you can't do this. So the story is told by someone who doesn't even really know what they saw themselves. Plus, a narrator recounting events of something that drove him insane is sort of H.P. Lovecraft's thing. And without giving too much away, it kind of dips its toe into the elements that are found in the Nameless City. By which I mean you're experiencing these cultures and these structures that you don't understand, and you're being told about it by someone who also doesn't understand. And it gets to a point where everything is so confusing and just piling on that it's not a matter of let's find answers, it's nothing, nothing makes sense. It's not finding the missing piece, it's finding any solid ground to stand on. In my opinion, At the Mountains of Madness combines a perilous situation that would be perilous all on its own, and combines it with this massive mythos that just shows that there's something more to find. An expansive, frozen tundra combined with cosmic entities beyond comprehension. All in all, I would say it's a pretty good book. Anyway, thank you so much for sticking around all the way to the end of my H.P. Lovecraft rambling. Again, the order isn't super important, but those are the 10 stories that I would recommend. And if you like them or some of them, there's a lot of stuff out there. Anyway, if you like what you heard, be sure to check out some older episodes and follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're always doing something new here, so you're going to want to stay up to date. And if you wanted to learn more about the audiobook service Scribd, I did link my friend Sarah Ray's episode about it in the show notes. So be sure to check that out, too. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. My name is Richard, and this has been the Pike Horror Show.